Hello and welcome. Uh, I decided to play a little bit of host today because our friend Gregory here is a little, uh, I don't know what the phrase I want to use, down in the dumps a little bit. Uh, his team currently, as of, let me double check this date, it is December 13th, 2021, and Michigan has not one, not two, not three, but four losses currently, and coming off a loss as a 13-point favorite to the Minnesota Gophers at home. Gregory, thoughts? <laughs> First of all, shout out to me for after a full calendar year, finally figuring out the correct lighting uh, in my little studio basement here. Uh, it's always been extremely dark. Now it's a little lighter. I think that bodes well for me personally uh, and my appearance on these podcasts. So thank you for that. Carter, it's great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you hosting uh, a role that I've always wanted to see you do and a phenomenal first question by you. As you mentioned, it's time to talk about Michigan and that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to run from it. I'm not here to hide. I'm not here to make false states statements. I'm here to do what you had to do for all of last season, which was take punch after punch after punch in the gut while watching your team struggle to make the NCAA tournament and ultimately lose in the play-in game. That's what Michigan may be headed for. And I'm afraid of that. I'm not looking forward to that, but I'm here for that. And I'm ready uh, to talk about why I think this is happening and who's at fault. And I might throw some shots at who's at fault. Okay. Do you want to dive right into that? Or can I, can I get my first actual question off of the night? This is your show cart. This okay. is, uh, this is your right. show. Okay. So what do me, you, and Kobe Bufkin all have in common? Um, I was going to say we can all shoot threes and have a pretty stroke, but you are a horrible shooter. So I don't know. Is it the fact that we all played zero minutes in a that Division One basketball correct. game? Ding, 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 ding. We all played zero minutes. Now, Greg, in the past, I have been attacked. I have been maliciously verbally attacked by you in a sense that my coach, Tom Izzo, doesn't play McDonald's All-Americans, doesn't play his guys, yet we are in an era right now where Kobe Bufkin, the McDonald's All-American that he is, is racking up DMP after DMP while the team is struggling, and he continues to throw out Terrence Williams. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm disgusted by it. Listen, I have been – and you've given me shit for this on multiple episodes prior to this, even before the games were being played this season, but I will stand by the fact that I have been Kobe Bufkin's largest vocal advocate that there is on the internet. I think, I, I think I might be ahead of you, but go ahead. I think at this point it's changed because you're taking glee in the fact that he hasn't played. And I've been waving a flag saying this is ridiculous since the first game of the season, let alone now, when it's game nine or 10 or whatever it is, and they have four losses and they're getting ran out of their own Chrysler center arena to the 13th best team in the big 10. It's nonsensical. It would be nonsensical if Kobe Bufkin wasn't the skill set that is missing from this team. Like if he was just another power forward, that was a five-star recruit, a top 40 recruit from the state of Michigan. And he wasn't in the rotation at all. I'd bitch about it. But the simple fact of this roster is that Kobe Bufkin is one of three guys that can shoot, that can score from three levels, 
that can play multiple positions in the backcourt. He's one of three guys. It's Devontae Jones, it's Eli Brooks, and it's him. And Frankie Collins, yes, he's on the roster. Frankie Collins is not an offensive threat. He's not skilled. He can get to the rim. I like Frankie Collins a lot, but this team needs shooting so desperately, Cart. And Kobe Bufkin is a shooter. I believe that with my bones. I've seen it. And I've been vocal about it. I've been angry about it. Michigan fans, some agree with me, some don't. A lot of them try to pull the, well, there has to be something we're not seeing in practice. Jawan's the coach. Why would we question him? Obviously, he must be really bad. Have you seen the product on the court? I don't care how bad he is. He's not as bad as the product on the court. Devontae Jones played 20 minutes in the second half of a blowout loss earlier this season in a game in which he had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, and three turnovers. It cannot get worse. And if I were Kobe Bufkin, if I was in Kobe Bufkin's camp, if I was in Kobe Bufkin's family, I would tell him to hit the transfer portal. And I, I don't mean that to say that I'm hoping that happens because I think Kobe Bufkin could be an all-time Michigan great player. I really do. He deserves better, and it's bullshit. It is. Wow, Greg, quite a statement. Now, let me get let me take off my, you know, picking at you, you know, nitpicking at you hat and actually talk about this. So, you know, up until this point, you know, Michigan, yes, they lost games. That happens in basketball. Teams have tough stretches. Um, they lose to a team in Arizona, who I think is a top five team in the country and a national title contender. Uh, they lose at UNC to a very good, I mean, not sorry, not don't, don't let me say very good, to a solid UNC team on the road. UNC played very well. It's a good okay? team. It's a good team. Yeah, good team. Seton Hall, another good team. Uh, they had that game. They gave it away. It's a tough loss at home to give away, but also not just like a black eye, like, okay, you're losing to Seton Hall. This loss was the first one of the year that's just absolutely inexcusable. Okay. Minnesota is not a good basketball team. Um, you know, they play hard. They, they're not, you know, but the talent is not there. Um, and it's a game that they should have won very easily playing at home. So maybe now it'll be kind of a put up or shut up point or a point where Jawan realizes, like, I don't want to take it too far and over exaggerate that this is rock bottom, but this kind of is close to rock bottom at this point of the year. So maybe he makes some changes moving forward as far as personnel, who's getting minutes, switch it up a little bit, you know, throw some shit at the wall, see what sticks, you know what I'm saying? So maybe some Kobe Bufkin minutes come moving forward or something like that. But at this point, something needs to change because it's just not working. Um, and it's affecting, not only is it affecting the players that aren't playing well, it's affecting like your dogs. Like Hunter Dickinson can't get any space. Um, you know, uh, Musa Diabate for as talented as he is, makes a lot of mistakes defensively and offensively, extremely talented, but the talent is still there for this team. I still think it is a fixable situation, but it might be worse than you thought when you addressed the teams that need fixing. Yeah. I mean, make no mistake about it. If there was a coach of the year award last season, Jawan deserved that he won it fair and square. The moves he made, the roster he built, what he was able to get out of the roster he built, concluding with four regular season losses for all of last season. He was the national coach of the year. 
if there was an award for the worst coach of the season, he would have my vote this season. This team is a top five talented roster in the country. That hasn't changed. There's no reason for this to be happening. Now, I agree with you that the games you said, uh, like they played tough teams. Seton Hall is very good. Arizona is great. North Carolina at North Carolina is a very tough place to win. I was not panicking. In fact, a week ago on this very show, I was doing the whole, the, the schedule's been tough. Not doing that anymore. I don't care who you've played. I don't care if you've played the Golden State Warriors nine games in a row. If your 10th game is at home in Ann Arbor against a first-year head coach and it's Minnesota and you lose pretty comfortably down the stretch, that's a problem. And there should be five fingers pointed back at Jawan Howard in the mirror right now because this team's talented. Like you said, this team's incredibly talented and he's making all the wrong moves. Who is, I don't want to say worst coach, who's doing a worse job with their team this year, Penny or Juwan? Penny, just because of how toxic that is. Mm-hmm. Michigan's not far behind as far as toxic. Let me tell you. I mean, I, I have a couple quotes written down here. Last week, Hunter Dickinson, uh, this is paraphrasing, said, guys need to know they can't make mistakes they made at other schools. There's one guy on this roster that played at another <laughs> school. So we've got our starting center, who is a preseason All-American, just publicly antagonizing our starting point guard. That literally would be like somebody leaving a review on our podcast and be like, I don't want to call out who I don't like on the pod, but the black guy is just <laughs> not pulling his weight or right. something like that. Right. So that, that's, that's one. Number two, Eli, after the Minnesota game, said, this isn't high school anymore. Okay. So – Again, we're antagonizing the two-and-a-half freshmen that play in the rotation. We're just going to throw daggers at Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate, who honestly are probably the two guys in the rotation I have the least problems with right now. Uh, I, I think there's no accountability here right now. I think Hunter Dickinson hasn't been what he needs to be, even if this team was playing well and winning games. Hunter Dickinson has not been a first-team All-American. No, at all he hasn't no and, and we talked about it on a couple episodes ago g like last year with the talent that was on this team him getting i think he averaged what 15 and 9 last year 14 and 9 or was it higher than that like 15 and 7 i want to say 15 and 7 like that was good enough last year when you have talent like franz around you and other guys around you this year it's not you're you're that guy like that's not 15 and 7 is not gonna be good enough for this team now granted he doesn't have the shooting or spacing around him right now. But at the same time, you know, Hunter needs to take a little look in the mirror himself. I mean, he misses some easy shots. He still does not have a right hand. I specifically remember last game down the stretch, he had a chance to lay it up with his right hand and went right back to his left and got blocked. Like, it, it's 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 a lot going on. You can point to every single person on this team and kind of see what's going wrong with them. Um, so yeah, you make a good point with Hunter, not well, playing just, to his level or like the level that he, the, or the way he carries himself, he carries himself. Like he's supposed to be that guy in a first team, all American. And he has, yeah. here's what I want. If you're going to go to big 10 media day and grab the trophy and parade around saying, you know, Illinois fans, you hate them. And you know, they're not Michigan state or Ohio state. You hate them too, but you really hate Illinois fans. 
like then you you better back it up. You better lead this team to a, a top 25 team all season long. You better put up 20 and 10 when needed. And when you're down six against Minnesota and you get three consecutive post entries, you better not go 0 for 3. Because let's call it what it is. He had three chances to score in a two-possession game in the final three minutes of that game. He went 0 for 3. Who am I supposed to look at? Eli Brooks missed a wide open three down the stretch of that game. Missed a pull-up jumper about a minute later. Again, two-possession game. Senior captain. Fifth-year senior captain. Guy who's supposed to be a defensive stopper, but has been getting torched by every decent guard he's played for the last year and a half off the dribble. And he wants to hit the post-game press conference and point fingers at the freshman? That's our fifth-year senior captain? Something ain't right about that to me. And I don't think that, look, man, I'm going to say something I cannot believe I'm saying in a forum like this. That would never happen in Tom Izzo's program. A player stepping to the post game and calling out an entire group of teammates? Like, what? what is happening here? What is happening? I can't believe this is happening. On top of the fact that this roster is just built to fail. Like, as talented as I say they are, which I truly believe, they got five centers or power forwards. Like in the eight-man playing rotation, he wants to play. Hunter Dickinson's a center. Musa Diabate would be better as a center. Terrence Williams is a power forward slash small ball five. Caleb Houston should be a power forward. Brandon Johns is probably his best at a center. Like those are five of the guys that lead you in minutes. And then you're left with like two combo guards who aren't point guards. And one of them can shoot, maybe? Like, it's just a horribly built roster that has me wondering if Jawan knows it's not 1992. Because when he played at Michigan in 1992, it was okay that there was only one guy on the roster who shot better than 32% from three. In 2022, which is about to be, that doesn't win basketball games. And based on the roster he built this year, and the roster he has coming in recruit-wise next year, I don't think Jawan Howard knows that. You know what? And Greg, I'm sorry to see you like this, man. I'm I, I know what I'm, I'm I am heated. I, I know I know how you feel. I know it's tough. It's really tough. It's very tough. But you know, not everybody can be the best basketball team in the state of Michigan. There's only be one. Oh, okay. So we're gonna go there now. That's what we're I'm doing. just saying. I said that in the last episode. You looked at me sideways, and now it's like, oh, shit. I don't know. Like, how central and eastern this year? <sighs> hey, you, you didn't name one other directional school. That's all I'll say right now. Um, although I hear that that team from Kalamazoo has more shooters than Michigan is what I've been told. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition or not, but um, look, I I'd be remiss to not mention a couple guys that I want to keep a little more hatred on for Michigan. If you don't mind, uh, yeah, Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns are horrible and they are both coming off the bench right now, which is the correct move. And they're totally redundant. Like one of them, if he was coming off the bench, fine. We don't need another power forward that can't shoot in this rotation. We don't need three of those playing. When you're comp- or competing with Musa Diabate and Hunter Dickinson for minutes, you better be able to point at something you do better than both of those guys in order to insert yourself into this rotation. And the problem is that Brandon Johns does nothing better than either of those two. And Terrence Williams 
is like a little grimier and a little better off the dribble. Okay. Like to me, if I was trying to solve this, I would just straight up not play Brandon Johns. I would have Terrence Williams play entirely at the four and maybe even a little super small ball at the five and get like 20 minutes a game. And I really think that would solve a lot. You have to move some of those minutes that are currently going to Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns who combined for zero points and three rebounds in the loss to Minnesota. Those two players, zero points and three rebounds. They need less minutes, Cart. We're going nowhere if they continue to get them. And we're especially going nowhere if they continue to get them while Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate are also on the floor. Like, again, I don't, I don't understand. It's like if you're, if you're building a sandwich, Cart, if I asked you, if I went to the Elliott residence and said, make me a sandwich, what would you do? What would step one be, Carter? Step one, I'd say, you got your fucking mind. Take your ass to the kitchen. You know where the sandwich stuff is. Okay, so I'd walk myself to the kitchen. I'd open the Elliott cupboard, and I'd probably find, what, a loaf of bread, maybe some peanut butter, some jelly, maybe some deli meats, some cheeses, yep. maybe a, a variety of options of things in the cupboard that mm-hmm. I could build to craft a winning sandwich. If yes. you open Jawan Howard's cupboard, he just has nine loaves of bread and like one little half open thing of turkey. That's all it is. And like he's trying to build a sandwich with seven different loaves of bread right now. We need one loaf of bread. We need two pieces of bread. And then we need to throw in a little shooting, a little skill, a little passing, a little ball handling. He has none of that on this roster. And the, the ones that he does in Kobe Bufkin, he doesn't play. So what are we doing here? If he doesn't make changes to this rotation, this team is actually in danger of missing the tournament. And I can't believe that I'm saying uh, that. You think, it's, you think it's that dire? Yeah. I mean, I mean, how could it not be? After a loss to Minnesota at home, like, is that the second easiest game on their schedule this season in Big Ten play? Like, if you, if you can't win that or at least compete down the stretch of that, I, I don't know where these wins come from. They can't go beat Purdue right now. They can't go beat Michigan State right now. Can't beat Illinois, Ohio State. I would want to see Indiana. Like, I, I just don't. And look, the, the thing is, Cart, all of this can change. It could change so fast. But I'm looking at that cupboard. I don't expect this loaf of bread to suddenly become a fucking piece of meat or a piece of provolone cheese, right? Like, I might need to walk my ass to the store and get some cheese if I want some cheese on my damn sandwich. And right now, Juwan refuses to do that. That might be the worst metaphor I've ever made, but it is. That, actual, that was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I have, uh, I have three stats that are horrifying stats that I'd like to play a little game, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I'd like to read these three stats, and I'd like you to tell me which one is the most concerning. Okay. Okay. Number one, this Michigan team that is, I think, five and four right now, currently has the 10th best three-point percentage defense in the country. So they are, they are defending the three fantastically, and they're still five and four. That okay. terrifies me. Okay, Number that two. Is- that's pretty terrifying. Number two, Hunter Dickinson 
Hashtag Big Dickinson Energy. Make sure you buy a fucking T-shirt so this man can support his family since he ain't going to make the NBA. Sorry, that was rude of me. I'm going to put myself on a five-second timeout for that. All right. Hunter Dickinson has the highest three-point percentage on this team. Hunter Dickinson of acclaimed uh, viral video of missing threes that the Michigan basketball social media team thought was genius has the highest three point percentage. Stat number three, car. Are you ready for this one? Jesus Christ. Caleb Houston, who I barely mentioned in all of this. I actually think Houston's one of the least concerning pieces of this, even though he's playing out of position. Caleb Houston is averaging less points per 40 minutes than Adrian Nunez. Okay, the level of concerning that all those things are is <laughs> very, very bad. I think that if I had to rank it, um, I would go – I go Dickinson, the three-point percentage last. I'll take that last. Because it's a good thing that he can shoot? Like, Yeah, I, I, that, I, you could find a flip that to a good thing, okay? Hunter's hitting threes. No, okay. 38% on the year, actually. Yeah, which is not, I mean, probably not hella tense, but not that bad. Um, The second one would be Houston Nunez. That's that's disgusting. But the absolute worst is that defensive percentage thing because we've seen crazy things happen in basketball with teams getting hot from three, and you lose a game because the team gets hot from three. That's not happening with Michigan, apparently. They're just getting their ass busted. Like, that's the thing about the Minnesota game. It wasn't like they were just extremely hot from three. They were getting to the cup. They were posting up. They just couldn't – Michigan just couldn't stop them. Carter, Minnesota was getting whatever they wanted whenever they Jameson wanted. Jameson Battle looked like fucking prime Kansas State Michael Beasley out there. Yeah. I I can't deny it. I don't know what else to do at this point. Look, I – uh. My wonderful mother, my beautiful mother, Connie. I don't know if she listens to every Sleepers episode. I know she listens to a lot of them. Love you, Mom, if you are. You probably will because you'll see Michigan in this title. I told my mom preseason, back when everybody thought Michigan was a top-five team. My mom and I have a pretty special Michigan basketball bond. It's like one of our things that we bond very heavily on. told her preseason, my fear with this team, and for some reason I can't seem to shake it, is that they're the least likable, least enjoyable Michigan team to watch that I can think of this is before I ever watched a game but I was just envisioning like what's it going to be like to watch Devontae Jones what's it going to be like to watch Brandon Johns what's it going to be like to watch fifth year Eli Brooks needing to be my featured offensive backcourt player like even though there's these McDonald's All-Americans that I'm super excited about I don't know where their roles are going to be because he's going to start Brandon Johns and Eli Brooks I know what those guys are and God bless Eli. He's one of the winningest players in Michigan history. If Eli Brooks is your best player in your backcourt. You're probably five and four. And before the season, I literally – I thought they'd be good is the problem. I thought they'd be good, and I wouldn't enjoy watching them. Instead, Cart, every two hours a week that I need to watch a Michigan basketball game, I can't even compare it to something else in my life. It's dreadful right now, and I still do it. But, it, like, I, did you feel like this with Michigan State last year? Like, were you, did you know going to those games, I hate watching this team? Uh, Yeah, I did. I mean, Maybe. that's how I feel. Like, like I hated watching Thomas Kithier. I hated watching Rocket. hated watching Foster. 
Uh, I just I hated it. I, I did. But here's the hard part for me is like, I feel like at least last year for you, you could point very clearly to those problems and be like, oh, our point guard stinks. We need a better point guard. <laughs> it, it, it was more so like a, we, we had a talent issue. Like we were playing non-talent. Like we didn't have yeah. that talent. Right. Y'all got the talent. Do we? Like that's, I, I don't yeah. even know at this point. That's, that's how bad of a job Juwan Howard has done to me is Supposedly. that he has me, he has me questioning whether the best recruiting in the class in the country is even good. Like Caleb Houston is a first rounder and everyone's like, is Caleb Houston even good? Because he doesn't look good because he's not being used correctly. And that's the problem here. Like I even, I think Devonte Jones is pretty good. I think he's scared shitless right now, but like, I, we don't even have Devonte Jones doing things that like, he should be doing in my opinion like we have eli brooks on the ball constantly eli brooks isn't good on the ball he's good off the ball like we don't need three power forwards that can't shoot playing at once god damn it okay um can we move on (laughs) i just hope michigan realizes what they're doing to you look the the bottom line is it's hilarious to me that we've done this for two years with like high quality now and year one michigan was so great and michigan state was so bad and now it's just flipped. And that's pretty good for content purposes. But I'm pretty sick of this shit already. And I got two more months left. I'm not looking. Yeah, well, well, just just, just so you know, hunker down. It doesn't, it doesn't get better. Uh, hopefully it gets better for you. But just so you know, it did not get much better for me. And also, if I could take the last 15 minutes or so of what we just had and put it in a vial and get a syringe, I would literally inject it straight into my goddamn veins. Go green, go white, Gregory. We are here. But let's move on. No, listen, I listen. I one last thing to the people at home. Don't ever, ever accuse me of being biased because here I am ripping my team to shreds. Here I am True. ripping my coach to shreds. I will keep this shit real. I will host a Michigan State podcast on the field of 68. And when state stinks, I'll do this to them. And when Michigan stinks, I will do this to them. Not afraid of that shit. I hope Michigan gets better. I want to say I think they will. What I can say confidently is that they should get better. I'm not even confident they will. But uh, you'll hear from me every step of the way. I love that. So let's say you wanted to place a bet on how many more games Michigan will win this year. Is there a place you could do that? Sure is, Carter. I would go personally. Me? I'll go to dimers.com where we dimers.com slash sleepers have some exclusive offers for the folks at home. You can get deposit matches. You can get promo codes. You can get odds boosts. You can get referral codes. If you want to bring friends with you, do whatever you want to do from a betting perspective, but do it through dimers.com slash sleepers with us. You know, your boy G your boy cart, get a little kickback. Dimers dropped the bag for us. We appreciate everything they're doing. We're working on some pretty fun things as well. Like as the rest of the season goes on, we have some big ideas for some ways to get more interactive with listeners, uh, possibly host some contests, give out some prizes, et cetera, maybe do a bracket challenge. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, $25 deposit, I think is all that it takes for a couple of these. Well, a couple of the different offers are different, but there's great offers is what I'm saying. Get you some free bets. Get some deposit matches and uh, hopefully win some money with us. Right now, Cart, Michigan has the second highest odds to win the Big Ten Conference. 
wouldn't touch that. But also, <laughs> just want to touch on one last thing with the Dimers thing. We're making it even easier for you because our good friend Greg here has been hashtag hot with the daily picks. He's had a couple three and oh days. So all you got to do is use the link, go to it, deposit 25 bucks. Go look at Greg's Twitter. He has daily picks on a day-to-day basis. Put a little bit of that $25 deposit on a couple of the games, and you win that money back easily, and it's fun. And Greg's got you. You don't even got to look at the research. He's already done the research for you. So, you know, make it happen. we're making it easy for y'all. It's very easy. Yeah, my record on the year right now through 33 days of picking three games or more is 58-45. and 45. We'll take that record. I think last year I finished just under 20 games above 500. So for a third of the way into the season to be uh, 13 games up, we'll take that. You could say, Cart, there's a higher chance that I will go two and one or better on daily picks than there is that Jawan Howard will ever insert Kobe Buffkin into a game. Yeah, I could confidently say that. <laughs> but uh, I think it's time to shift to uh, a couple of rumors that have been swirling around. Oh, uh, the Twitterverse, uh, a possible curse in place. Um, we recently did a, uh, video. Our la- was it our last episode? Uh, I don't know, but I just want to interrupt quickly and say, you're doing a great job hosting, by the way, I might ask you to do this role all the time going forward. It's a lot more fun to just be like thrown to instead of just throwing <laughs> pause. But, uh, anyway, uh... okay. <laughs> <laughs> Compliment rescinded. Okay. okay I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. It's what are we talking problem. about? We're talking about uh we're talking about the curse because our last episode curse. we talked about we talked in great length about the greatness Pause. that we thought Purdue. All right, yeah, that was okay. We talked in great detail about the greatness that was Purdue basketball and how we saw no weaknesses. And Purdue proceeds to lose to an unranked Rutgers team. And also was on the ropes against an NC State team. They pulled it out in overtime, but it was looking very dire. Are is there a sleeper's curse, Greg? So I I insinuated this. I'm not gonna say the C word because I have respect for our listeners here, but I insinuated that there may be that at play in a different way. When we were in East Lansing this weekend. Uh, you've been calling a certain Mr. Max Christie by his given birth name, Cormac. And I witnessed it with my own eyes, Carter. He attempted, I think, five first half shots. And every time he attempted an open shot, you would say, Cormac. And that thing would clank off the side of the rim. Not good, Mrs. Carter. They were ugly, ugly. I, I disagree with that, but go ahead. So, I had already thrown into the ether that until you overcome your insistence, your selfish insistence to call Max Christie Cormac, Max might not get it together. Now, he hit a couple shots in the second half. You were at the concession stand. You weren't watching in person, so do with that what you will. Uh, I am just a little worried that collectively you and I have been saying certain things that have been influencing things to happen on the court in real life. Purdue is a good example. We dropped the episode that has the big thumbnail number one team in the country. I think we did that a little bit to like have some fun with our guest, Rafael Davis, but also at the time we believed they were the best team in the country. 
And then Ron Harper Jr. happens, half-court shot. And then they almost lost in overtime to NC State, too. So I, I don't know. Like, at this point, I'm a pretty superstitious guy. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess with the universe's mojo. Like, I believe that's a thing. And right now, the sleepers are not in a good place. I believe that's a thing. But also, I just want to point out that, yes, Cormac shot has been falling. Okay. The more but, you say but- it. The more you say it, you know what happens. All I'm saying is that Cormac is back-to-back Big Ten freshman of the week, so he can't Which be doing that. Makes bad. no sense, by the way. Caleb Houston was better than him last week, but it is what it is. Uh, well, my freshman didn't lose to Minnesota. Well, that's a very fair point. Just saying, the streets are starting to talk about Caleb Houston. He's been solid. He needs to play his true position. If they put Caleb Houston at the four. He'd probably look a lot better than he does trying to chase college threes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But you know what? I don't want to – I don't believe that we're cursing teams because I still think that Purdue is a national title contender. I still believe that. I do too. So – Do you believe they're, maybe, do you believe maybe they're, they're the best team in the country? Do I think they're the best team in the country? No. Right no. now, I think – right now, Baylor's the best team in the country. Even when I thought Purdue was the best team in the country, though, like, give me some credit for nailing the fact that going to the rack yes. at Rutgers is a very difficult game. I was all over that plus 12 and a half. So, like, to me, struggling with Rutgers was not the end of the world for them. I'm more concerned with the fact that they almost lost to NC State after they already had the wake-up call game. Like, Ron Harper Jr. had an out-of-body experience in that game. He literally won it on one of the flukiest shots I've ever seen. It was great. Loved it. That's college basketball at its best. But, like, am I concerned that Purdue ended up losing by one instead of winning by two because of a crazy half-court shot? No. Am I concerned that Purdue went to overtime with a pretty mediocre team on a neutral court after they already had the wake-up call? Definitely. And honestly, Card, they needed a lot of ref help to pull away in that game, too. They did. They did need a lot of ref help. But it was, I think, more so what I come away out of the two games uh, is that I didn't necessarily see the holes that Purdue had. Uh, pause. But now I kind of see, like, what the weaknesses are in their team. Like, Zach Eady might be 7'3", but he's not a rim protector. Um, he's a giant human being. But he's not a rim protector. Zach Eady probably can't touch his toes. Like, yeah, but also <laughs> like Trayvon Williams, not a rim protector. Um, and also, I'm very surprised. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. But Ethan Morgan gets a lot of minutes. <laughs> not, and I don't really understand that. Yeah, but, uh, I no, I feel like Matt Painter's always been like, I don't know. He, he's like he's. I'm gonna do another stupid metaphor. Matt Painter's like the director trying to cast like a heist movie. Like, you know how every heist movie has to have, like, the leading man, the, like, tag team, like, white male with the leading man. Then you got, like, the nerdy guy on the computer in the car. Then you got, like, the enforcer. And then you got, like, the the woman, like, con artist. Like, that's every single heist movie ever. Matt Painter is, like, I'm going to get a pretty fun dynamic guard. And then I'm going to get just a shooter. And then I'm going to get a gritty white defender who can't shoot. And then I'm going to get a massive seven footer from Serbia. And then I'm going to have like another post player at the four. That's what Matt Painter does. It's been his recipe. 
it works. Purdue's great. I like Matt Painter a lot, but like, yeah, at the same time, uh, like you said, there are questions with this team. One of my questions with this team car is in the backcourt. Like I'm watching the NC state game come down to the wire. Jaden Ivy was not involved mm-hmm. at all. And like, it's not like they were running things through other guards. And I get you're trying to force feed the ball through Travion and Travion's really good in the clutch. But like if Jaden Ivy is supposed to be the best guard in the country and he is never the guy with the ball in his hands for this Purdue team in a close game, I don't like that formula. No, I don't like it either. And he should have the ball in his hand. Like, like you said, Travion, great player, but it's, you know, you have, he didn't have the ball his- in his hands at Rutgers. Travion did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I, but I don't understand necessarily why. I mean, Travion scores, but like, I it yeah, it's problematic to me. You want the ball in a guard's hands if you have the best guard in the country, and instead, uh, again, this is the first time I can make fun of this because now they're struggling. But instead of giving the ball to the best guard in the country, Matt Painter chooses to give the ball to their sixth man, and maybe is, the best player, and you know. I don't. I don't like. I, I don't like how you call Travion six man. He's a sixth man, is he not? That sixth man almost had a triple double against. Well, but this—that's why it's stupid. It was never cute to be like, "Oh, what a great teammate he is." Oh, just what a great role model. Like, no, if you have a guy who's that fucking good, start him. Just start him. It's stupid. Why is he coming off the bench, Cart? Because he's not as tall as Zachary. I don't know. Play them together then. Like, it's just dumb to me. It doesn't make sense. But I can only say that now because they're struggling. I couldn't say that a week ago. But I've been waiting on that one for a month now. So, But, you know, Purdue wasn't going to not lose all year. I didn't expect them to lose that game, you know, to Rutgers. Maybe you did. You expected to be close at least. But I didn't expect them to lose that game. Uh, So I wouldn't say it's a curse yet. Now we do – have another Big Ten guest that'll be joining wait, us. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I have a, a little small thing on Purdue still. Uh, yeah, first of ahead. all, first of all, I would have said last week, like, they win the Big Ten going away. Mm-hmm. I no longer feel that way. In fact, you asked me out unscripted, like, can Michigan State win the conference? And I said, no. All of a sudden, I feel like my answer's changing because I think Purdue is gettable in a way I didn't believe last week. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? Yeah, I do. No, I like. I mean, I I did say that we can compete for the title. Now, when I did say that, I did think Purdue was going to run away with it. I thought it was going to be like a four to five game, Purdue winning the conference. Um, after what I've seen the past two games, you're you're right. I think they are gettable. They have vulnerabilities, and also even looking besides that, the way that State's playing, I just really really like what we're doing right now, and I think that, you know, we'd be able to compete for a big 10 title. Like we said, we came into this year with a certain expectation on the team, basically. And after watching them, these first couple of games, granted hasn't been against the great competition in some of them, the expectation bar is continuing to rise with this team um, after what I've been seeing. So uh, we can't compete for a big 10 title, um, but I still would think Purdue is the favorite. If I had to say, it. I think there's a really clear top four, but I thought it was Purdue and then maybe a group of three after that. To me, Purdue, Illinois. I, I was really impressed with Illinois in that game against Arizona, who I think is a top-five team right now. I feel like Illinois has been great without Curbelo. No idea what they're going to look like when they add Curbelo back, but 
Kofi surrounded by shooters. That scares me. Ohio State beats Duke. I, I think they know who they are. I think they're really good, and EJ Liddell has been a monster. And then Michigan State. To me, that's the top four right now. And I no longer think Purdue is separated in a different tier than those four. I still think they're the best team, but I think depending on schedules, depending on who gets hot at the right time, this is not a Purdue wins the game or wins the conference by multiple games thing anymore. To me, this is like all these teams are going to end up with four or five Big Ten losses who can gut it out and raise the banner. Speaking of raise the banner, though, real quick, we have to address the Purdue uh, – front runners dilemma from the last week we hey you know what they were number one team for how many days a day seven days seven days seven seven days and they proceeded to get every single alumni that they had to make a video congratulating them on being number one team in december very front runner-ish very champagne clipper like what we saw last year with illinois we honestly should have saw this coming. You saw it coming. You did. I'll give credit. You you saw them getting a little front runner in them. And, you know, that's what showed these past two games. Yeah, I, I felt it a little bit. And I will always make fun of the teams who do this. I, I don't care if it's Michigan, if it's Michigan State. Like, I will make fun of programs that do this shit. Illinois did it last year. Just front runner energy. This year, Purdue, again, playing great. They deserve the praise. But God forbid they had, I think they had Robbie Hummel on the call live in Rutgers. Rutgers is up seven points in the second half. And they cut to a video of all the former Purdue players congratulating this team on such a great accomplishment. And oh, by the way, back to the game where they're down seven and Rutgers just hit another corner three. Like, what are we doing here? It was crazy to me. Uh, I was shocked more people weren't making fun of that. I was very aggressively outwardly making fun of that, and it resulted in our little uh, spoof video celebrating their number three ranking this week. So, congratulations to them, by the way. Congrats are in order for Purdue. Uh, we'll see if congratulations are in order again next week, depending on That's what huge. they do this week. That's a very uh, huge feat. Back to you, though. We were going where? We were going to Ohio State, I believe. Yeah, we were. So we talked about the sleeper curse being a thing. And I don't think it's a thing. And we're going to prove it's not a thing because next we have Ohio State center Zed Key joining us to talk about his season, talk about his big win over Duke where he put Mark Williams in the motherfucking torture chamber. We talk some Ohio State hoops, talk Big Ten hoops, real cool dude, real cool, you know, interview. And he's been hooping, so maybe after this is released, we'll kind of check his stats and make sure they're still going well. Uh, because we definitely don't need that curse stigma attached to us at all. Zed Key, not a fan of being yelled at. <laughs> not to spoil hey. anything, but just uh, throwing that out there. That was 100% a spoiler, but let's get to the interview with Zed Key. <laughs> all right, we got Zed Key. Front court extraordinaire from Ohio State with us today. Zed, thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Big fella, how you feeling, man? Good dub last night. You feeling all right? I'm feeling good. You know, a little sore here and there, but, you know, I feel good overall. Hey, so, some, somebody's got to bang down low in the post. Everybody want, you. Hey, everybody <laughs> wants to come outside nowadays and shoot outside the paint. Somebody's got to do the work down low. So you much appreciate it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. no problem. <laughs> Zed, you're talking to a big man right there. Uh, a uh-huh. big man that when I've played with him, he has been exactly what he just said. He wants to float outside a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> Listen, when you when you when Zed, Zed's gonna find out there's gonna be a time when basketball stops and you don't have to answer to a coach and you can just shoot whatever you want. So you spend your whole life <laughs> in the paint. So you're like, now it's just time for me to get some shots up. Right. That's I'm all. telling you, and and shoot around and and um and uh practice and stuff. Like before practice, I'm shooting threes. Like, I'm trying <laughs> to get that ball up as much. <laughs> like I'm not going down to do no post moves. <laughs> like, no, you know the vibes. Down there enough. <laughs> so yeah. Got to get some threes up. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, speaking of being down there enough in Big Ten play this season, I can only imagine you're gonna be in the paint quite a bit. You're gonna be battling oh. with all these monstrous front courts in the Big Ten. But mm-hmm. I feel like so. I think maybe preseason, from just like a hype standpoint or a media standpoint, like EJ Liddell got his name thrown around a good amount, as he should. Mm-hmm. He's a killer. But I yeah. feel like in general, like the collective front court that you guys have has been a little slept on. Like you add you, Kyle Young and EJ together. Like, I don't know that there's a better front court in the Big Ten or at least not a tougher front court in the Big Ten with the way that you and Kyle have been playing. Uh, does that mm. like come into play mentally for you at all? Like, is there a little bit of like, hey, let's go out and prove that maybe we are up there compared to these other front courts? Um, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, people people doubted us this year. You know, we lost Dwayne and a couple other pieces and people doubted us like from like offensive standpoint and like scoring. So um, we just got to show people that, um, that we don't really, like we're, we're still really good and we're still really talented. No, excuse me. And, um, and we're still going to do our thing on offense. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about, you know, losing pieces like Dwayne and, you know, he was a vital piece of the, you know, of everything you guys did. Is that mm-hmm. something that you are using as motivation for this year? Because I know you're 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 going to hear that chatter about last year and what happened. We're not yeah. going to speak about it. But is this something you kind of just turn the page on that? And you're just looking forward to this year. Is this something you kind of use as motivation this year? Um, definitely uh, motivation. Uh, you know, we, we had an early exit last year, um, unfortunate exit. But, you know, we, we still like we try to like you can't we could turn the page. But, you know, it's still in the back of your mind of, um, you know, what happened last year, uh, especially when you go away and the fans remind you about it constantly. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, but, you know, that's definitely push, uh, pushing us this year, you know, just to play harder, um, you know, don't don't take it for granted and, you know, um, just come out there every game with a, with a swagger or like just play hard. So I want to go back to last week, the big come from behind victory against Duke. Uh, I think at the time Duke was everybody's favorite team in the country. They were the number one team. Uh, I would say rightfully so with the talent that they have with Paolo Bencaro, Trevor Keels, all those guys. Um, Just talk me through the the story of that game. Like, was there ever a moment where the gravity kind of set in of like, damn, we're, we're pretty far behind here. And then how did it start to turn momentum wise to a point where you could just start to feel a comeback coming? I think when when we was in halftime, uh, you know, we uh, came together as a group and I was like, look, I, we know, I forgot how much we were down by, but we were, came together and was like, look, you know, we can claw back, you know, it's a still long half, you know, still got 20 minutes to play. And in the end, though, know, we did, we got defensive stops and, you know, got good shots around the rim and uh, people hit big shots. So, um, you know, 
had the outcome that we wanted. Definitely. And, you know, I think one thing when I watch you guys play is in college basketball, there's so much turnover with a lot of people, you know, staying one year, leaving. But, you know, based off the way you guys are on the court and also I'm pretty heavy on TikTok. So I see you guys are pretty close knit off the court. as Yeah. So talk about kind of how you guys have been, you know, been playing. Get, I mean, you, this is your second year with the team, but a lot of the guys on the team have been playing with each other for a couple of years. How's that like help you kind of bring things in and stick together in those tough times like that? Um, you know, we're this culture that we're in. It's big on, um, like camaraderie and, and being together. Uh, so, you know, we do everything together, like as a team, you know, when we go out um, like to the movies or something like that, and then we, like we go as a team, uh, go out to dinner, like we're never on our phones, you know, we're just talking to each other and you know, laughing, you know, that builds like team chemistry. And you can see that on the court, you know, we're, we're, um, we're together on the court. Uh, we know where everyone is on the, in the spots. And, you know, it's just from us, you know, just doing like doing stuff with each other. Um, TikTok, <laughs> for example, is, is one. Um, you know, dancing and you know, we're always you know practice stuff. So we're, we're always around each other. So you know, we just have like a, a really good bond with each other. So the other thing that jumps out to me from watching you guys in the early portion of the season is how hard your schedule has been. Yeah. Like, I'm just looking at how many primetime games I feel like I've watched you guys play this year at Xavier, <laughs> home to Seton Hall. Well, the, the Fort Myers tip-off, Seton Hall in Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Duke game, and then still upcoming. We're into Big Ten play, and you have a, a game against Kentucky coming up in a week. So, mm -hmm. what what's that like? Does it feel – I mean, I don't know what schedule you played last year without looking. Like, did, does this feel like a bit of a gauntlet that you guys have gone through, and how do you think that's going to prepare you when you get into Big Ten play? Um, this definitely is the, uh, the most tough schedule that I ever played. No, this is my second year, but – uh, it was definitely more tough, uh, tougher than last year. Uh, um, yeah, it, and you know, it's it's good for us, you know, to play touch uh, such a tough schedule so early. Um, cause it helps us in the end of the year, you know, March Madness, the Big Ten tournament. You know, that's when the people, that's when teams are really amped, and you know, teams ready to come in and win. So you know, just playing a tough schedule in the, in the beginning, it definitely helps us in the end. Cause it's tough to play in March Madness. I learned that from like the one game last year. You know, it's it's really it's really tough for March Madness. It's a different vibe. So, yeah, but I think you know with the Big Ten Conference, that's I mean, especially this year, it's gonna it's gonna prepare you for March because you there's really no off nights with you know the big men you got to face in this league. Uh, I mean, coming <laughs> coming in coming in that as a player, I mean, you got to relish in that moment though. To come in yeah. that moment, and you know, maybe some people aren't talking about Zed Key matching up, but they need to be talking about you. How do you approach these games where you're playing like first team All Americans and Kofi Coburn and you know the Travion Williams, Zach Eadies, and those type of players? Um, you know, just come in and like, I just come in and play like I know how to play. Uh, you know, play hard. You know, just keep the game simple, really. Like, don't make it too complicated. And play, as I said before, just play hard. And that's what all boys down to is just playing hard and effort on the court. So, um, yeah, because uh, obviously, you know. I played Zaggy last year, and that's a large, big human being. Like that's a, <laughs> he's, that's large. He's a large human being. But you know, it's like it's fun to play down there. You know, it's I like I like the challenge. So I like when people doubt us and stuff like that. You know, it just it gives me like it gives us like, it gives me and like the team like a more of an urge. So that, 
I think it's I think that's the right word, like a urge, like just to do more and win. Yeah, you 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 got the right recipe anyway, though, because they, they can be seven foot, they can be whatever. If you put them two feet under the basket, they can't really do nothing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's exactly he's seven six. Yeah, that's the tallest player I've ever played against. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been telling people they have a height limit in the Big Ten because seven six is just ridiculous. <laughs> like that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just like, too damn tall. Like I'm six eight, and I'm looking at you like you're a whole, whole, almost a whole foot taller than me, and I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's just that classic Purdue center. Somebody's got to investigate what Matt Painter's doing here because I don't know where he right, finds I'm these. Um, seven six, goodness. Yeah, and it seems like they got a new one every single year. It's crazy. Every year, every year, <laughs> every year. It's wild. Um, so I I want to ask about Chris Holtman because okay. I'm someone who's followed Big Ten play my entire life, and. Okay. I, I respect Chris Holtman in a huge way as a coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the conference. I think what he's done so far in his tenure at Ohio State is extremely impressive. And I love the type of rosters he builds, quite frankly. Um, but I personality-wise, I don't feel like I really get a good gauge on who he is or what it's like to play for him the same way that I do with some of these more demonstrative coaches like a Tom Izzo or a Juwan Howard. Um, there's probably others that I'm not even naming, but like, yeah. what, what is Chris Holtman truly like behind the scenes and what's it like playing for him? Um, he's, well, he's really like the laid back guy, but you know, not so laid back, but he's, you know, let you do whatever. Like, obviously like, as a, like as a head coach, you know, he's going to get on you if you're not playing hard practice or doing the right thing. But, you know, he's really, uh, he's a really good guy, really, um, guy to talk to. You know, you can go up to his office anytime and have a conversation with him. And that's goes with the whole coaching staff as well. You know, it's it's a good team that they have up there. Um and just playing under him, like I love it. Um love his style. And and I tell people like coaching, I need to go somewhere where I I um I had a bond like like the coach. Um like and I and like my coaching style is not a whole bunch of yelling. <laughs> like I, I don't like I don't like all that yelling, like just in your face. And Holman definitely uh, he's not that type of guy. So I really I really like Holman a lot. Yeah, I'm glad you could kind of give us a little insight because me and Greg went to Big Ten Media Day and we're like getting a read on all these coaches. And I just was, I could not get anything out of Holt. I was just looking at I was listening to all his answers. I'm like, yeah, he just keeps his cars closed. I don't know what I mean. Who knows what doing behind the scenes? So we needed this insight. So we appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right, you want to get to the – I think we should get to the shot clock now. Yeah, let's jump uh, right to it. So okay. we uh, we did a little sequence at Big Ten Media Day where we put players on the clock and just did a series of rapid-fire questions. So I want to okay. I want to have you run through this as well. What was it, 24 seconds, Cart? Yep, 24 seconds, which now that I think about it, it's kind of wrong because yeah. college isn't 24 seconds, but no one has but, called us out on it to this point. So we're going to rock with 24 seconds. Yeah, I might, I might, I might call you out. You know, I was going to rock. I was going to rock. All right, we'll work with that. Car, you got the timer ready? Yep. All right. All right. 24 seconds on the clock. Greg with the rapid fire questions. Zed Key with the answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Favorite road arena to play in in the Big Ten? Oh, boy. Um, ooh, I haven't played all of them, so I'm about to say Rutgers. If you could have any NIL deal in the world, what would it be? Oh, boy. It has to do something with a car. <laughs> it has to do something with a car. So, yeah. Something to do with a car. Yeah. All right. If you could dunk on any player in the Big Ten from an opposing team, who would it be? 
Oh, Zach Eady, because it's all his one. <laughs> all right, last question, G. Fire who's, the, who's the most underrated player on Ohio State? Uh, I, uh, shoot, I'm, I'm going to give that to Malachi. Malachi Branham. Yeah, that's my – it's my guy. He's my roommate over there, you know, in the next room over. <laughs> and, you know, a lot, he's going to shock a lot of people this year. And I know this is out, I know this is outside of the 24 seconds, but I got to ask this. Certified lover boy or Donda? Oh, certified lover boy. <laughs> All right, good. What's the best song about certified lover Donda boy? Had, Donda has some hits, though. Like, Hurricane is a hit. <laughs> is. Hurricane is a hit. Okay. But um, the best song... Oh, I'm I'm have to go. Oh boy, let me do a quick check before I <laughs> um before I um say the wrong one. I'm gonna be mad that I I'm a uh, probably is uh, knife talk is up there, but I'm gonna have to do um way too sexy. Yeah, that's just a classic that's one. Good. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't remember. I can't remember what EJ said at, at media day. Do you remember, Greg? I don't remember. I think he might have said. He might have said nice talk. Oh, girl, girls like girls. That's another one. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. It's a classic. All right, I I have to give my final question to you now, and we have a good portion of our listening audience that from the state of Michigan may be Michigan Wolverine fans. So, football, big loss for Ohio State, first time in a very long time. I'm assuming the basketball rivalry is still a very real thing that you feel. Any expectations, any words going into maybe get some revenge for your football boys this year? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to say this to people now. Um, it's going to be a really good game. And, you know, not trying to look forward because I have no idea when we play them. No idea. But, you know, I'm excited to go against the team up north. And yeah, I'm ready to go. Zed Key so poised because really could have really could have went off right there, but just <laughs> cool, cool, calm, and collected. I love, it. I love it. Hey, well, thank you so much for doing this, man. We appreciate you. Good luck the rest of the season, and we're looking forward to watching you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you, bro. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.